Peace, peace, peace. Welcome to another episode of Waza Dome. Uh, today I have another very special guest. Um, you've definitely seen him in uh, obviously Black Power Media. Um, he's an author, uh, educator, professor, um, wears many hats. Uh, Jared, man, thank you for coming through the show. No, it's an honor, man. Thanks for having us or having me back again this time. Sorry about that. No, for sure, for sure. Thanks. For sure. Honor's mine as well, man. Um, I wanted to go ahead and a uh, lot going on. Um, uh, you know, you had uh, have the revised version or the second edition of uh, uh, the myth and propaganda of black buying power uh, that came out this year. And um, and so I, I did see the uh, build as well on uh, black men bill, which was dope. So salute for that and salute to them as well. Um, but one of the questions that they asked um, was, what is the underlying uh purpose of buying power like what is buying power and uh you stated it was a strategy and marketing and advertising to redirect ad revenue towards commercial media outlets um i thought that was um obviously in the book goes into that as well but uh, if you could for those who may not um you know, have read have read the book or seen that bill. Could you delve into that a little bit more and and expound on how that operates in practice? No, yeah, thank you. And and again, yeah, you're right. Shout out to Black Men Build for sure, and I appreciated that chance to build with mm -hmm. them. Uh, so so on the one hand, the popular version of what buying power or spending power or purchasing power is is money that people have left over to spend. Uh, as they see fit, discretionary spending. And it's 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 thought to be an actual number that represents actual uh, uh, dollars. And in some cases, people confuse it with wealth. They confuse it. By design, it's intended to be confused. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's not really what it is in in the way that it has been, as I talk about it, weaponized against Black people. So that's where the myth and the propaganda come in. When it's directed at Black people, it's been over the last 100, 150 years turned into this idea that buying power represents some latent, untapped economic strength that Black right. people squander right. Uh, right? with some financial illiteracy and ignorance. And that's not, that's not what it is. By the way, and it just so happens I watched the movie. I don't know if you or your your audience have seen this 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 movie that came out this year, the the Killers of the Flower Moon. I'm no, I'm uh, I've, I've it's on my radar. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be watching it soon. So it's not a spoiler for me to say mm -hmm. this, but mm -hmm. but if you watch the movie, you see a version of this myth developed as it was developed against indigenous people in a in a way back in the day. Uh, this idea that that the Osage around the 1920s had had come into money. I won't. Mm -hmm. I'll let you all see. You can you know, read the. You know, see the movie. I'm not gonna spoil it. But, but the point is, part of the way white folks justified abusing them and taking over their uh, uh, what money they had through political power and public policy, which I'm sure we can come back to, was ultimately what I'm saying we should be struggling for. Uh, was to say that the Osage were financially illiterate. They just didn't know what they were doing. They they're immature. They're silly. They're simple minded. They 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 you know if we don't take care of their money for them, they're just gonna 
they're going to squander it. And of course, that's exactly what Israelis said once upon a time about Palestinians. That's what it's a it's the feature of colonization is my point. Mm. So now we get a we have a, a, a the most heightened and sophisticated version targeting black people here uh, uh, with this idea that black people are only poor or or somehow disadvantaged because they are themselves ignorant right. and financially illiterate. Uh, uh, and that's part of the mythology that is used. So that's what I'm trying to talk about. Where did this, how did this get developed, popularized? Uh, uh, and, and why have so many over uh, so long a period of time been, been encouraged to be confused by this? So that's, that's. Yeah. In short, what I'm trying to do. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it, it's kind of interesting, like earlier, uh, right before we got on, um, I saw uh, President Biden um, say that, uh, you know, right now across America, wages for workers are up and black wealth is up a record 60 percent uh, from before the pandemic. And it's like, where do they get these numbers from? And what do these what are these numbers actually are? What are they supposed to represent? Because we know that. Um, when we look at the material conditions of our people, um, where's that 60% at? You know what I mean? Um, I guess that's more of the myth, though, right? Yeah, and I, I, I the, the whatever you're referencing, I haven't looked at, so I can't mm -hmm. speak to, to how they constructed that. But uh, uh, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like it matches what I have been reading from other people's economic research, uh, whether it's uh, uh, pick, I mean, Diedrich Muhammad, Derek Hamilton, mm -hmm. the NCRC, the, the National Bureau of Economic Research, the, the, the Economic Policy Institute. I mean, there are all these sources that, I mean, uh, 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 even, even um, I was just looking at the, the wealth division in this country uh, the, the wealth breakdown in this country where 0.1 percent of this country has more has has six times the wealth of the bottom half of the country wow so yeah whatever they're claiming about has happened and then you know but but remember if if they're saying 60 percent since the pandemic has in, in of an increase we're still dealing with the complete erasure of black wealth after the 2008 crash where most mm. of the black and brown wealth was destroyed in, in, in because of the homeowners, the, the, the housing value. Right. Collapse. So, and then, and then by the way, as you just were basically saying, I mean, most of the, the data is important to study, I think, and to be aware of, but I think many, most can just look out their window and just look at the lives that they and their families and, and communities are leading and see like, come on, man, what are we talking about here? What, what, what is this great new new day right. uh, that, that people are supposed to be experiencing? Um, what I think is more important is to look at the amount of wealth. And this is something I've increasingly wanted to be doing. The amount of wealth being created that is housed in that 0.1%, uh, who by themselves, it was it was shown, have 12.5% of all the wealth in the country. Mm. And the bottom half of the population has only 2.5% of the wealth. So that's, so so the 0.1, again, 0.1%. And, and, and we're talking about almost $200 trillion. Wow. And they're saying globally in the next 20 years, I just read the, the, the global 
accumulation of private wealth is going to be just under $700 trillion. Of private wealth. So yeah. what that means when you see things like Oxfam and others who, who, who look at the global situation and they say basically it's the same thing, 1% have more wealth than the rest of the 99% of the planet. What they're talking about is $700 trillion wow. is mostly residing in the hands of like 1% of the population. And my thing is, and I increasingly want to make this argument part of my own work, is that we should really stop with this argument over business and circulating dollars and financial literacy <laughs> and who's lazy and who's smart and who's it. And just say, look, again, it doesn't matter whether you own the pizza shop or you're shopping for the pizza. The exchange is creating wealth and that wealth needs to be redistributed. That's it. It doesn't matter. I shouldn't have to be a good businessman. You shouldn't have to be the most brilliant innovator and inventor for us just to have a decent living and, and health care and a right. place to live and food and, and education for our children. Like it, it, there's the wealth is already there. We've we've already created it. And again, so that's part of what I'm saying is 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 how this myth works. Instead of us asking questions about, yo, <laughs> we just created seven hundred trillion dollars <laughs> last year for the whole planet. Mm. Everybody in the world should be chilling. Right, right. Everybody, everybody, everybody. should everybody. at least everybody should at least at minimum have a decent place to live and not be struggling and not be living. And look at how many people live. I mean, look at how people are living around the world. Yep. Yeah. I mean, never mind just down the street. So, I mean, like, I, I, that's what I'm saying. So the myth is getting us to be distracted by that. And then they, they, while they extract and steal and exploit to create that, all that wealth and then keep it all, they're telling us to start a, you know, a small business mm -hmm. and telling us to circulate our dollar and start a savings account and learn how mutual funds work and, I mean, that's not why we're poor. That's right. not why all this inequality exists. It, it, so, and and it should. And again, I shouldn't. I shouldn't have to know anything about a checking account to benefit from the wealth I've helped create just by going to work and paying taxes and shopping, and paying my bills and and doing all those things that a regular citizen does. That's creating all this wealth. Right. So. And then, and then, That's you know, really what I'm trying to say. And, and we see this um, push, uh, you know, not just uh, with our people, but, uh, you know, across uh, community lines, especially here in America, this push for hustle culture, you know, like, um, uh, you sleep is, we'll sleep when we're dead, you know, we're out here making money, we're out here doing this, we're, we're, uh, looking for ways to find, you know, passive income, this and that. And if you're not doing this, this is why you're poor. This is why you are, uh, you know, you don't have the things that you see uh, the rich people who are hoarding the wealth have. And, you know, it, it's uh, it's it's crazy to see how many people actually are falling for it. I mean, they're selling these courses and, you know, making millions off of it. Yeah, but well, well, and that's the one thing I actually don't think it's crazy. And that's that's one thing mm. I've really come to appreciate uh, after spending the time doing this research and some other work uh, It is is that the and, and being even just in media studies, uh, mm -hmm. because I have learned to ha I just have a deep, different appreciation now for 
for the effort and the sophistication of the psychological warfare that we're suffering. Right. So I'm not trying to excuse us all for our bad decisions, but I am trying to be a little more uh, uh, understanding or objective and trying to uh, really to understand, to, to, to have an analysis mm -hmm. that, yeah, we should do better with, with what, you know, our decisions. Yes, we could do this. Yes, we could do that. But the reality is, uh, ultimately, ultimately billions of dollars and decades of intense study and research has gone on, gone into and continues to go into studying how to manipulate most of hmm. us, how to, to create narratives, how to, uh, d d uh, 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 create a media and digital environment of messaging uh, that a way, and that's ultimately what I've been trying to show with my book is that what we end up seeing is that what we think, because we see black people having the conversation, we think that what we're hearing is actually a black analysis. Hmm. And what we're hearing are very white, conservative, capitalist, reactionary, colonizing, psychological warfare, implanted <laughs> messages being delivered through black spaces. And it's it's been encouraged. So it's I, I it's not crazy to me uh, that that even when it becomes frustrating in the way that that some people react to me personally. Yeah, it, I have to alt I, I do try to remember <laughs> that what they're responding to has been something that has been literally constructed by the most powerful and and wealthy uh, uh sectors of the society for a long time i mean that's really what i mean what mass communication research in the field of communication studies was developed to do yeah to organize the study and research into manipulating public opinion and to today they talk about it in terms of cognitive infrastructure the, the development of how we think mm -hmm. uh uh, and it's and, and 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 we are largely unaware of the forces that are involved and the 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 resources and the and the 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 ways that we're manipulated. It's and it's very sophisticated. And no society in the world has ever suffered what we're suffering right now here in the United States. It is it is it's it's you know my contradiction is it's a beautiful system. I mean, hmm. it really is remarkable if you if you really start to think about how that 0.1% manipulate the narrative and it's not some some mystical conspiracy it's it's organized funded concerned research that's doing this they're concerned i'll stop here but if people are paying attention or her or maybe they caught it maybe you and your audience have caught this already but the you know jonathan greenblatt the head of the the anti defamation league was caught on tape telling his audience uh, that he was trying to fundraise from. He said, look, Israel is, is, is losing. He said, we have a, in, in fact, he said it three times. We have a major, major, major <laughs> crisis <laughs> of narrative because most young people, he was saying, even young Jews don't agree with Israel at this point. And he's saying, we got to raise money and get more people. They were talking about funding people on TikTok to, to promote Israel. They yeah. were talking about getting, you know, raising hundreds of millions of dollars to to create new pop propaganda campaigns so so that's just this one new effort right this is but this is something that has been been uh uh orchestrated by the military in this country by the political elite in this country by the ruling elite uh for 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 a very long time so 
I, I'm sympathetic at least. Oh, for uh, sure. Or to why we end up being fooled by it, myself included. Oh, uh, yeah, ab absolutely. Same here. And, I, you know, I think I mean, just being here and being bombarded with it uh, pretty much our whole entire lives, there's always a conditioning uh, that is happening. And um, you as somebody who is in media and has studied it and teaches and teaches it, I've spoken with people that, you know, went to school for marketing and they talk about some of the tactics that are used to uh, sway opinion or to make you want something or to make you believe an idea and it's i mean and predatory to say the least uh, you know um and so yeah i mean i could i could see uh, funding the biggest and brightest minds to um manipulate the minds of the people uh yeah that's that's where we <laughs> yeah i mean it's i'm definitely sympathetic um as well you know to that idea because hell it, it's i'm not immune you know what i mean um i kind of want to take it back for the audience um, you, as far as this idea of black capitalism and, um, you know, black capitalism being a, I guess, means to an end, uh, for, you know, our situation here, uh, in America, is this something, Richard Nixon's promotion of black capitalism, uh, on the surface, did it serve as a tactic to impede the progress of the black power movement from how you see it? Again, it's not how I see it. That's what he said. That yeah. was his goal. Right. To redefine black power away from Kwame Ture or Stokely Carmichael and the radicals who were say, defining it as uh, a pan-Africanism and socialism and anti-colonialism. He's like, no, 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 no. We need to redefine <laughs> it as capitalism, as mainstream electoral politics, as uh, going to college and, and you know, being a good, you know, hardworking middle-class <laughs> American. That's 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 what they said. That's what he said. That was explicit. And then again, as I I mentioned, uh, even in the second edition of the book, I mean the the when the Guardian newspaper just so what was this twenty twenty two I think mm -hmm. published an article where they acknowledged, hey, yeah, the 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 British intelligence community was was doing basically the same thing. And was targeting Kwame Ture and others who wanted to spread Black Power's message along those radical lines, and they were like, "Nah, we need to suppress that. We need to change that narrative and get people to be thinking about Black capitalism." Because again, even you know, it, it, the biggest critic of capitalism, and certainly the most famous one, is a white European, <laughs> right? Karl Marx, right. <laughs> And his point was, even in an all-white world, capitalism is abusive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I saw somebody. I saw somebody online the other day. They were like, uh, "Somebody, I, I guess somebody was making the black capitalism argument." He was like, "Man, capitalism don't even work for white folks. What make you think it's going to work for you?" you I mean, that's saying? it, <laughs> right? I right. mean, that's the whole. <laughs> so it's a hustle to to tell, you know, some of the most oppressed communities in the world. This is what you need to do to, 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 I mean, the idea that, I mean, I remember a couple of years ago when it was more popular, when, when all this microfinancing was coming out and they were talking about it in terms of this Indian economist, and they were talking about how microfinancing could be a solution to the poverty in India. And I'm like, you, you. <laughs> <laughs> look at that look at what's going on in that place look at right. the colonial history of that place right. look at the 
I mean, look at the amount of poverty and the the concentration of wealth that is there. And you're gonna and 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 you want to and you want to talk about microfinancing, mm -hmm. man. Get the. I mean, it's just it's 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 it is a hustle. It is a it is a it is part of the branding to say you know again you don't need political power you don't need radical politics you just need some some good financial literacy and you'll be all right and <laughs> then right. they're like and and then and then they and my favorite thing particularly when it comes to media that targets black people is that they will use people whose relative wealth was developed outside of business and investment and they'll use them and their celebrity to promote business and investment in black Absolutely. capitalism mm -hmm. so like it's you know whether it's steve harvey or hill harper or whoever else these are people who you you made your money through entertainment through comedy through acting you didn't make your money through investment. You didn't make your money on Wall Street. You didn't flip houses and invest in Bitcoin. And, 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 and you know, I, that's not what made you. So why would you come before an audience of working black people looking for economic advice and tell them these things? Right. You know, Steve Harvey isn't saying, look, man, I slept on the train. I slept in my car. I, you know, I hustled in comedy clubs. I, 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 I was willing to tell silly jokes uh, on mainstream white platforms like you know this is what you gotta do right <laughs> like he didn't say that he's up there wearing his suits talking about you know <laughs> invest in this and get your money right and and have a you know i mean and it's it's yeah it, you know it, it goes but as far and you know how american culture is is with celebrities i mean that's hook line and sinker i was talking i was looking at um i don't um, it might have been JT's show, and uh, he was showing where where I, the level of fame might not have been at a Steve Harvey, but they they had YouTube fame, right? And, you know, maybe two hundred fifty thousand on YouTube, but they were you know getting they were getting money to advertise uh, a crypto coin, but they were the way they advertise it, they were fronting like they made the money from the actual coin when it was just them advertising it, you know? And, and so like, it kind of leads me to uh, the next thing I wanted to ask you. I've heard uh, you speak on it and I've definitely heard uh, Diallo speak on it on um, EYL, but this idea of financial literacy, right? Just even the idea itself. Um, it, it, it definitely has become a buzzword in those type of, uh, I guess, those type of circles where, uh, you know, the LLC crew, you know what I mean, um, to, I guess, put it back on, put the onus back on us as far as the reason we don't, our material conditions aren't where, where we want it is because of our terrible spending habits and we don't understand finance. We don't understand money. Um, whenever you think of this idea and people advocating uh, for financial literacy, um, and, you know, I've even had these conversations, uh, Jared, like seriously, man, like where um, people that are extremely intelligent, right? Um, you know, if we just spend our money better and stop buying Jordans and and all of this, you know, such and such in the project wearing Gucci in the projects wearing Gucci and things of that nature. And I'm like, I'm telling you, this is it's a lot more complex than that. 
um but when you whenever you think of this idea of you know financial literacy like first off what is financial literacy in 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 the framework in which they present it oh so check this out so so i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, uh give give um I, well i can't say this is the first time i'm talking about it publicly but you and your audience are getting getting no. a little sneak preview into no. something that so check this out so so uh this uh um it's really the work of Erica Brown, who is uh, part of the Brokish podcast mm -hmm. and helps us with the Rebix Morning Show. She's dope. She's very dope. And she's doing some incredible research as part of her, her own doctorate right now. Mm -hmm. And what, so what I'm, the, the tease that I'm, I'm saying is in about a year, you gotta, you know, you gotta have me come back and 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 uh or maybe have Erica come back. I don't know if she's going to want to uh make this point the way I want to make it. So, but but in the same way, I think it, so I'm still too new on this. So that's why I'm not entirely sure and I don't I don't want to speak uh, uh ahead as uh, too far ahead. But the short of it is the same way that I've identified the the sources for and really the primary source for the 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 modern distribution of the myth of buying power she i think has identified the singular if not if not singular the dominant source for the modern prevalence and and uh, a distribution of financial literacy as a global method of in my language in my paraphrasing of suppressing dissent, suppressing radical analysis <laughs> and encouraging confusion. Wow. And the, the, the short of it is, is that I, she's introduced, Erica's introduced me to this, to this scholar right here in DC who is very well platformed and has published a lot on this issue of financial literacy. And from what I've read, and this is why I want to keep reading and get a little before I be, go, go, to go too far um but already i've identified what i think is scandalously flawed and fraudulent research that is designed to concoct this idea of of financial literacy as what poor people need and to 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 improve their condition and what is the cause of their inequality mm. or if not the cause a primary cause so the short of it, I made this longer, but but the way that she in this scholar defines financial literacy is essentially along the lines of, as I mentioned a little earlier, um, capitalism works. People are poor largely because they don't know how to take advantage of this the the this the the this wonderful system. And because they are financially illiterate, on and what the, and by that they mean they don't know how checking and savings accounts work. They don't know what uh, uh, a mutual fund is. Oh, there goes my. They don't know uh, what the basics of trading and investment are. In, in in other words, it's it's it's. That that is what they mean essentially. They that that if you don't know 
<laughs> what what can't help you anyway. Right. In other words, it's not a lack of a checking account. It's not ignorance about a CD or a mutual fund. It's not ignorance over uh, uh, derivatives and and and. It, 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 this is not why people are poor. People are poor because they are exploited and the wealth that's con con accumulated is not distributed properly. Uh, so, but financial literacy is meant to convince people that again, you don't need as a, if you're a government, you don't need to redistribute. You don't need to develop socialist policies. You don't need to do anything like that. You just need to have more programs that teach poor people about how to set up a savings account, right. how to uh, start a credit card, how to get your credit score up, how to consolidate your debt, um, that kind of thing. And again, by the way, this whole point, you know, this is the point. If people stop buying Jordans and stop buying, uh, you know, $20 lattes and, <laughs> and, you know, again, people who work in those shops lose jobs. Right, right. I mean, you could just start there. Right. <laughs> uh, the people who live in your same community, in your same building, who work at the Foot Locker, if you're not buying the shoes from Foot Locker, they lose a job. And then they can't pay their rent. That's how capitalism works. You mm -hmm. need people to consume. It's a 70% consumer-based economy. You need people to shop. The problem is when you buy the $200 pair of Jordans, the wealth that that creates should be redistributed back to your community so that you're helping your community when you go shopping. You're right. creating wealth that instead of getting accumulated in the pockets of 0.1% gets redistributed and your school gets improved. Your 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 maybe your healthcare is free. Maybe I I, I don't know, we could do a lot. We got mm -hmm. trillions of dollars just just flowing upwards to 1% of the less than 1% yeah. of the population. Yeah, no nobody should be without food, clothing and shelter. Yeah, I mean that's no. that's nobody, you know, and uh you know, I saw you mention this book. I I uh it just uh came a few days ago, so I hadn't haven't had a chance to read it. Uh The Prophet mm -hmm. of Discontent um mm -hmm. uh, about, you know, MLK's critique on capitalism um and you know, his whole idea of Re, uh, redistributing the wealth and you know we're coming to get the check i feel like that's what got him killed you know um uh and obviously his outspokenness against the war and things of that nature but um just the idea of us having uh us us not being good at capitalism yet right uh us not understanding what what uh you know financial uh us not having a us not being financially literate um us having bad spending habits it totally ignores any type of institutional uh oppression um that has occurred you know from the time we've been here to the uh to now you know eric williams uh you know uh, uh, capitalism, capitalism and slavery you know um and and I was reading something from Richard Wolf the other day and what was interesting, he was talking about, um, you know, all of this schooling that he has, all of these economic classes that he's taken, they, they act like socialism or any alternative to capitalism doesn't even exist. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, if, as you, as an educator, 
can you just like speak to that a little bit as far as even if one because we kind of and we'll get to it later we kind of saw like like even we'll never we'll get to it in a minute but with boys right and his response on willie d's uh it's like does he is he even aware of any other system outside of this predatory system that we know is capitalism right is he even does he have any even just a surface knowledge on any alternative because you know i don't want to get too far into that with with boys because we will in a second but as somebody who uh is an educator somebody you know professor at morgan state the idea that as an if you study economics you're only going to study uh you know, capitalism and how to, uh, I guess, understand the inner workings of capitalism without any alternatives. Like, I mean, what does that say? So, so let me be clear. I don't have an economics degree, so sure. I don't know exactly how, but what I, but, but, uh, uh I've read enough of, the uh, mainstream discussion of economics as part of my own work, uh, to, to know that there's at least several problems. But I, I think of it in terms, you know, you mentioned Morgan State. I think, you know, I make this point all the time since my building happens to be right next door. Uh, but there is no building for political economy. Hmm. There's no, there's no, uh, which is the, 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 the often associated with Marx's study of the interrelationship of, of power uh, to the economy and the interrelationship of politics and economics and, and as, as opposed to political science over here and economics over here. But there's an interrelationship and they are based on power, mm -hmm. uh, achieving power. So, but they, you know, there's no building or track or school dedicated to Marxists or communists, socialists. Uh, there isn't even one overtly dedicated to teaching capitalism either right but there is a business school hmm. there is a business degree there's a master's in business people can get i'm not aware of a master's in communism or socialism <laughs> or uh, that you can get my point is is that what i think is a bigger or part of the problem is that there is no overt clear study of capitalism much less communism mm. Right. I used to use the documentary The Corporation in my classes all the time. And part of what they do in that documentary is ask all of these, you know, economists and and business people and Harvard this and Princeton that and Wall Street this, you know, what is a corporation? And all of them on camera struggle <laughs> to come up with an answer. Mm -hmm. And I think we have the same problem with capitalism. I don't think most people actually understand what capitalism is, what a capitalist is, the the immaterial or social nature of capitalism. In other words, I think it's a mistake to describe it strictly as an economic system. It's an, it's an entire colonizing social apparatus. Absolutely. Right. And that's why Marx and Engels talked about, you know, we studied money because that's what determines social inter social relationships, not because we want to study economics. My point is, in all of that, is just to simply say that there is no overt and institutional designed effort to teach people anything about how the economy that currently exists works, much less anything else or alternatives. And that's why I often have asked people when they condemn 
you know, when you hear the popular references to what com what people think communism or socialism is, I, you know, what have you read right. on it? Right. Where are you getting your definition? And very rarely do I do I hear a response that 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 suggests to me any real attempt to study any of this. So what we get is the propaganda, which mm -hmm. created by capitalists for a capitalist economy and a capitalist society. So. So, yeah, it is it is absolutely possible to get many degrees, all the degrees in economics and not understand how capitalism works or certainly have any real understanding of communism or socialism or the histories about any of this. Similarly, you you could get an Africana studies, you could be or, or a media studies degree and not be introduced to the radical traditions in those fields either. Right. So that's a problem with with these institutions to begin with and why as part of a segue for you, it's, it doesn't make sense for people to wave around a degree <laughs> and not wave around their actual work or argument. Right. All right. Before before we before we go there, because I definitely want to go there because I have my own criticisms of him even before that. You know what I mean? But um, for most. All right. Within the Africana studies paradigm. Right. Most. I, and, you know, obviously, it's, I'm, I'm maybe somewhat of an overgeneralization, um, but within an Africana studies paradigm, would you say that's where most black folks even like I, I guess became aware and knowledgeable about alternatives to capitalism through people like you know uh Walter Rodney, CLR James, Paul Robeson, Du Bois and things of that nature. Would you say that it's been black studies that has uh for the most part what has introduced us to these ideas of alternative ways of 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 you know i don't want to say i don't even want to call it a system but alternative ways of 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 living so i think i have to answer the short answer is no so institutionalized black or africana studies i think has not done or been able to mm -hmm. sufficiently teach the full range of the black radical tradition. Mm -hmm. In fact, there, you could argue that there has been within black studies an effort to suppress the engagement of African people around the world with communism and Marxism mm -hmm. and socialism because it's seen as Eurocentric. Mm -hmm. And and there's so there is so so hmm, that's interesting. I, yeah. So mm -hmm. so so I think black studies has always had this this sort of internal struggle with that. And I think to this at this point, I think it would have to be conclude you would have to conclude that black studies has not done the work of of teaching people. What has taught people about to the extent that people do know at all about these histories is the 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 broader expanse of that black radical tradition and the activist world and the 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 uh, radical intellectual world mm -hmm. uh, who uh, not only produced some of those figures that you talked about, of course, Du Bois, Robeson, Claudia uh, uh, Jones, Jones and many yep. others, they they evolved before what we would now know of as institutionalized black studies. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and we're, we're, you know, so 
it's 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 black people engaging all forms of radicalism, some of which includes communism and socialism that has has made that. And, and it's it's I think, again, unfortunately, black studies has not been able to organize itself to institutionalize a proper continual study of, of those people. So. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I got you. I got you. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite interesting, just especially. And, and I and I know some of the especially, you know, I don't know what uh, Dr. Clark, uh, you know, uh, said. And um, and, you know, I just think it's always important for us, like you like you just mentioned, uh, the, uh, a complete and total exploration of our black radical traditions. Mm -hmm. Um whether you decide to be a leftist or not, you would still need to have uh, a working understanding of what it is you're either for or against. And the fact that so many of our great, uh, you know, thinkers and revolutionaries were indeed leftists, um, you may want to you may want to at least study that. Right. Um, but let's let's you know, speaking of <laughs> speaking of what people have studied and what they have um <laughs> so for people yeah, you've already you've already mentioned this on um uh on I'm on what I I mix what I like so but at the but for those who haven't seen um and that same black men bill which is excellent which is also on black power media everybody go check that out um Willie D posted a clip uh Willie D from the Ghetto Boys uh posted a clip and accused you of uh, using statistics to uh, bolster the argument against the myth and propaganda of black buying power. I, I guess calling you, calling you out your name for all kind of, you know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was wild. Yeah. Taking a clip out of context. Um, I don't even think he did that. The clip or, or did say, he even the clip doesn't say any of what he was accusing me of. <laughs> right. I mean, he was no, so not at it all. It was wild. It was yeah. just wild. Or maybe yeah. not understanding what you were saying is mm -hmm. in that clip is a better idea. Right. And um him being a entertainer, uh now podcaster, media person, um it is what it is, I guess. I know it probably pissed you off, would have pissed me off too. But at the same time, was even well, I, voice, right? Like, like I said, I have I have my own criticism of criticisms of voice, but voice on the uh, in the comments, you know, where he, I guess he was saying that, hey, um, this brother is wrong. Um, you know, we have to have more generations of black capitalism in order to fix this issue. And like and and I know you said that you've you've offered him to come to the platform and and have this conversation. But if you can just get into just this whole thing that happened with, you know, Boyce and Willie and what your idea and what, and what came, I guess, you know, what came to your mind uh, whenever you saw that. So so first of all, I. So on the one hand, I, I I don't I don't want to front. I want my work in the book to get some attention, and I want people, particularly the black community, to read it and engage it. Uh, what? So on on some level, I I'm I guess 
I don't know. I, I, I was about to say happy that this that this is working, that this has come up so that that it, it might encourage people to check the work. But really, yeah. this is it, th th that's not really what I mean. And that's not I'm not that's not really what I, how I feel. What let me try this again. Let me let me try this a little differently. What what I. So in other words, yes, I want attention for the work. Mm -hmm. But what what Willie did is one thing and even though he did call me out my name and said some wild made accusations <laughs> and things that that I honestly wasn't as bothered by that as and wasn't even going to say much until I saw Boyce's comment mm -hmm. because Boyce not only spoke up and and misrepresented my argument but he he waved again in the comment that he has an economic a PhD in economics and therefore is 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 should be seen as as the unquestioned expert here and that part bothered me right. uh for a number of different that part bothered me more than anything one because to your point i have been either writing critically about him or been in 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 discussions with mutual friends or colleagues mm -hmm. about uh engaging debating all this stuff and he has refused right so to then pop up in the comments, wave this degree, misrepresent my argument, did bother me actually more than what Willie did. Right. Uh, even though Willie's copied, it was, it, I, you know, obviously nobody wants to be called a whole bunch of names and have their, you know, their work misrepresented. And to actually, to, to have produced work that is meant to help black people, have that be used, have, have that be turned around and misrepresented as, me being a highfalutin academic talking down to black people, that's frustrating. I'm not going to yeah, lie about it. To that's be honest with you, I, that's why I really think he didn't understand what the argument was. You know I know he didn't understand what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, he and he literally watched one 90 second clip mm -hmm. that it doesn't say anything that he's accusing me of, but he misunderstood everything. And so that's why I was sort of, I was starting to go at the beginning of this answer by saying like, I really wish he would have engaged the work. I don't, Again, I don't mind debate. I don't even mind some jokes. I don't mind even, you know, I get it. I, I've even engaged yeah. it. So I'm not perfect. I get it. So I don't mind a little bit of, you know, if you want to take a little shot here or there, that's fine. I mean, he obviously went way over the line, but, but, but I, but I want it to be based on the argument. Mm -hmm. you, you, I, I want it to be based on what I'm actually saying. So that part, because that I think, part, I think anybody is frustrating. Is yeah, we can't lose that part, right? Like that's the part. That's the that's what we need to be focusing on. What is the right. argument? And so, Boyce, he he came in and you know, obviously. So what what was your what was your what was your thoughts on his responses as far as you know generationally? Like we just haven't we just haven't had a you know black business. His argument. He said in the comment that that that. I didn't understand that that black businesses have just not had enough time and that we need more time for black businesses to catch up to white businesses. And he was so so that would be as I said in the I'm not, I didn't have to cut you off, bro, but no, not, cool. that would be according to some economists, another five hundred years before our dollar even equaled that of theirs. But Well, and, that's just in terms of what People like uh, the the uh, um, group out of uh, Boston. Um, I know exactly who you're talking about because um, they used to produce. And Dedrick Muhammad used to work with them. I used to read them every year. Every they do the Dr. King report, the the State of the Dream report. 
it'll come to me later. It was called the State of the Dream Report is what they were doing for years, uh, showing every year why black people were not catching up. United and, for and a Fair Economy. United for a Fair Economy. Thank you. And what they what they were showing was just in terms of to as far as that stat, the income mm. that at the at the rate of income, black people will not catch up at at the rate we're going now for another several hundred years. But there's there's so much more research. You know, I keep making reference to the National Bureau of Economic Research paper that came out last year that 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 demonstrates that given the starting point of slavery, black people can never get closer than six to one ratio in terms of wealth with white folks. And they even went on to show that even if you took the starting point of the, the, the end of slavery and went to today and, and took out everything in between that worked against black people from police violence to redlining to Jim and Jane Crow to lynching, if you took out all of that, they show that black people still would only be able to get uh, 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 in that case would only have closed the gap to three to one. Mm, wow. Cause everything in to Marx's point, the primitive accumulation of capital had already taken place. The resources right. are already gobbled up. Right. Black businesses can't move into white businesses at this point, can't move into high level manufacturing, military defense, all where all the real money is being made. You can't get in there. You can you you're not white people can't start another apple or another yeah. amazon or another google you know what i'm yeah. saying like like you're not so so uh uh so that's that so so uh the the so to for uh, someone who claims to be an economist to comment on instagram that black business just needs more time First of all, it ignores all the economic research that, for instance, I cite in my work. So, 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 really, that was my point to Boyce. If you're going to waive the B, the PhD, then be a scholar and produce scholarly work that debunks my argument. Right. Right. I, and I said, I dare you, and I do to this day. Anyone, I dare anyone. It's a I, I double dare you. Read my work, find the flaw. And if you're an academic, write a peer review response and critique. Right. I, I would love it. I would welcome it. As I reminded boys, my own book went through a peer review process, a blind peer review process. You, We should do that. Mm -hmm. And then, or I, even if you don't even want to do the scholar and tell me what's wrong, I don't have a problem with that. In fact, I would welcome it. Uh, right. what, what, I, what I don't like is is this uh, falsely representing themselves as having a genuine concern for black people and they're using that false representation to to mislead black audiences and then to condemn fraudulently those of us who produce critical work mm -hmm. uh uh of of their ultimately their their black capitalist fantasy so it's it's just disingenuous. And I admit I've always had a problem with that kind of thing. Like, I don't think yeah. many people really like, you know, uh, uh, that kind of. Well, I have, yeah. I, you know, I got my own issues with uh, I don't know him personally, but I see who he uh, rubs shoulders with and 
It's a lot of people who are on this new delineation grift and the we are African uh, grift. And I bang on that every day because I see it growing and I, I'm trying to nip that in the bud, man. Our, our people have... Uh, like the like you you've mentioned before uh, about the psychological warfare that is happening and has been happening, and it it covers so many fronts, right? And like I feel like I I'm someone who can see the grift pretty well, you know. Um, I may you know I may miss some things, but um, I don't I don't like the idea of of coming in the name of black liberation um really just striving to to grift and get what you can from the most vulnerable communities in america like i i'm i'm not for that and that's the vibe that i get you know from them um um you know <clears throat> you kind of mentioned as far as your book um and i think this is and and I mentioned Willie D's, you know, possible misunderstanding or maybe not understanding uh, what you were saying in the clip. And this is not about Willie. This is not about anybody in particular. Uh, it's what I am striving to do on this platform is to uh, just for the fans of the show to just bring understanding of how to get this right. You don't have to agree with everything I say, you don't have to agree with everything uh, any of the guests say, but have a process, have a methodology, right? Um, and so you mentioned um, engaging the work, right? And um, on a previous show, uh, we discussed the importance of actively uh, engaging the work um, within an Africana studies paradigm or leftist paradigm. Um, but the reason, you know, there's so many people that are navigating, especially these YouTube spaces that have huge platforms that are making a lot of money, who are giving surface level analysis, wrong analysis, but they are fast talkers. They they are extremely charismatic and our people are falling for it daily, right? That's one of the things that I uh, that I'm crusading against, right? And so um, one way that our people can prepare themselves, uh, you know, for that type of psychological attack is to have a good methodology and understand what it means to engage the work. And as somebody who uh, is a professor at Morgan State, uh, somebody who is an author, uh, if you can just go into what it actually means to engage the work, just so for the people who may not um, be in those uh, spaces, um, because, you know, uh, Dr. Fairfax uh, of Norfolk State told me that uh, when I had her on the show, she was like, hey, the HBCU is supposed to be for everybody, not just the people that go there. Right. And um, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so and so um, whenever I have y'all come on to the show, I like to bring some of that for the people who, you know, didn't go to school. Like I whenever I like growing up, just uh, I, I didn't have the. I didn't have, I wasn't in a situation where I could have gone to school, right? Like right out of high school. So I, I, I just, I, I hung out at the notebook store, shout out Bruce. And, um, and just, and you know, while all of the scholars was coming from out of town, I was, I would hang out there and that was my education. Right. But with that said, um, 
what does it mean to engage the work? How can people, you know, step their methodology game up if they have if they're not, you know, coming from a, a academic background? So first of all, just shout out to that experience because I wasn't ready for college right out of high school either. Mm. I had to get myself arrested and serve a sentence in the Navy <laughs> right, 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 for four right. years before I got my head straight <laughs> at least a little bit. And then I had, and then similarly, it was everyone's place, the bookstore on North Avenue in Baltimore that that uh, is wild that I, and I got books handed to me with the stamp of that bookstore in them mm. while I was out in the middle of the Red Sea in Desert Storm. Wow. And didn't actually go to the bookstore that was maybe 30 minutes away from me till I got home. And then I stayed in there kind of like you did for a long time, uh, um, even before I went to college properly. But but it's, the, the short of it is, I mean, within a, a, a lot of different academic disciplines, there's a variety of different methods that you're supposed to use to the, and the, the goal of the methodology ultimately is to to check your work and to check your own bias and to to try to. Uh, as best as anyone can can make sure that the work you're producing is not necessarily objective. I don't agree with that or, or think that should be the goal, but it has gone through a certain level of rigor hmm. so that the argument is has weight. So the way I simplified in my classes is is the 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 is to borrow from a, an old professor of mine who used to say you have to interrogate your preferences. And I say, you know, so I always say you have to ask yourself, how do I know what I know and why do I like what I like? Mm. And especially the more you learn about this, how this society works, it's important to ask yourself that because it's not even to say you need to change any of it. But I, it is important. You know, why is that movie appealing to me? Why is that song appealing to me? Right. Uh, and then if you, from my perspective, study media studies, particularly radically, critically, you realize that all of this is done by design and ultimately for some really scandalous purposes. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of which has to do with creating the inequality and protecting the inequality that we're talking about already. So that's why I'm saying, you know, methodologically, it's not that deep. Mm -hmm. I don't think you need a lot of schooling to say, as we were talking about in terms of the Willie D example, to say, Yo, I've only watched 90 seconds of this dude. <laughs> right, right. Maybe I don't need to do a whole post <laughs> and call him out his name and say all this wild stuff. Maybe I'll watch the whole lecture. Right. Maybe I'll read his book but, first. You, but you know what's funny about that's, that? That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, no, and great answer. And it just sparked the thought is like whenever mm -hmm. I go at the uh, pretending movement online often, mm -hmm. uh, that's, ah, man. Uh, that's wild. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Whole, but yeah, what they, <laughs> yeah, man. But what they do is they'll post clips out of context. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's like we have, we are in a, an age where um like even like like even with music right you remember um i was listening to um who was it i was listening to feral saunas the other day and he had a he had a you know forgot what the name of the album was but two songs 35 minutes a piece like you can't do that in 2023 because people attention spans uh with the technology that but they got rid of that in the 70s and the 80s by creating really? the three and a oh yeah the three and a half song three and a half minute song format and all of that was for radio, the creation of genres, right. the creation of jazz and hip hop and R&B and soul and country. All of that was for marketing, for selling, for for and for at, at one point to keep races separate. Uh, uh, you know, so so that's so th that's sort of my point. 
to get to the conclusion you just you correctly pointed out about our attention span, this is a 50, 60 year process. Right. This was something that evolved over time to create the environment. That's why I use that line from Marshall McLuhan all the time. Uh, well, one, he, he said advertising is a vast military operation. I've always that's. But then his point about we don't know who discovered water because we know, but we know it was not the fish because <laughs> an all pervasive environment is always beyond perception. Mm. Wow. Situation where 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 what we we experience is the only way it could be and has always been that way and is and that's it right so but we don't necessarily know what even happened 10 years before we were born and we don't know the processes that are involved in ma manipulating so that's that's so yeah they they got rid of that whole thing over time so now yeah it's it's you can't go from oh this is wild so this is wild so i'm 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 with my oldest daughter uh the other day and we're in the car and d'angelo's untitled comes on mm -hmm. how does it feel and my daughter says that one of her favorite artists, Giveon, has done a version of that song. Wow! I I, yeah, I know he is from out, out yeah. there in Cali, but I did, I never yeah. heard his version of. So I went and listened to it, mm -hmm. and this is exactly what I what what I this is so wild. So I told mm -hmm. her, I said, I said it's she said. So after I listened to it, she said, "What did you think?" I said, "It was cool," mm -hmm. but I said the biggest problem I have with it is that it cuts off. <laughs> At the three minute, oh, look at the, my bad with the zoom thing. Oh yeah, that's that. No, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. the, but the song Giveon's version cuts off at the three minute mark. Really, without all the extra ad libs at the end, and and so and, you miss. And yeah. to me, what it does is it cuts out because in D'Angelo's version, it's, it's the, somewhat climactic. The song, the original, at the three and a half minute mark of D'Angelo's version, you get not only the climax that eventually builds, but you get the you get that funky change right where they go um my point is that's the part of the song i'm always waiting for right right that's the part going back to my generation that's where the breakbeat came from right facts the best part of the song where the drums just playing and then djs would loop that and create a breakbeat that became part of the foundation of hip-hop but if you're not listening to the song, that but that part doesn't the funky drummer part in James Brown's <laughs> classic foot, that's seven and a half minutes long. Right. And the funky drummer break doesn't come until like the fifth minute or something like that. So so if if all over time, all of that gets wiped out. So now we end up in a situation where I'm hearing a remake of this great <laughs> song, and the best part is but it's not even in it. It's giving on generation can't wait. They're not listening to a song that's six minutes long and waiting for the change and all of that. And that's by design. It's not their fault. It's not right. like it, this is this is what has been encouraged. Yeah. You, you kind of uh, so that's why. And, and I'll just say real quick. Mm -hmm. I said to my classes, just as we wrapped up the semester, I think to what you were talking about, we are in a civilizational crisis moment when it comes to methodology. This generation, the newer generations coming up now in this media environment are being challenged 
in ways that mine and other we've never been challenged before. And if we don't help them develop methodological tools, we're going to be even more lost than ever because you, what you, you, you touched on is exactly right. People are getting, they're getting TikTok summary videos. They're getting mis misrepresented clips and they're not trained politically educated enough to, 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 uh, um, what Chuck D said years ago, developed the intellectual self-defense of fitness and it's getting harder and harder. And, and instead of my generation and, uh, and those of us who are getting older, just turning around and condemning the youth uh, for their ignorance and low attention span, et cetera, and so forth. We have to be more aware of what has been happening to us. And most of us don't understand. So I'll stop here by going back to where you went a long while, a while back by saying we haven't been taught right. how capitalism works, how colonialism works. So we're not passing enough on to successive generations about how all of that works. And uh, I think currently we're losing. Uh, yeah. That's I, why you're having that battle with this. Oh, man, it, it's, it's draining, too, because like, like it's some of the wildest claims that you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. And um, these people have based their whole lives, not just online, but their, their real lives and their identity around... Um, pseudo historical information that they found from a fast talker on youtube and it's it's sad man um you know it's that idea like you know just depending on how far gone you are everybody ain't gonna make it you know but i i i, I you know a lot of people ask me like yo why, why you have those battles like that with them online just for the people that are sitting on the fence <laughs> you know so they can if they see them get destroyed you know maybe maybe uh and, and a lot of times too, I think some of those people. I think I wonder if some of those people are like, like, are they even are those even black people behind those accounts? Like, is this like, like, some you know what I mean? Like, what are we doing here? Um, but again, last question I wanted to ask you. Um, it was a uh, um a bill that you had with uh, Norman Norman Finkelstein. I, I thought it was a, a great conversation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um and uh, I appreciated your perspective on it. Um this whole idea of identity politics sometimes um coming from uh the left kind of rubs me the wrong way uh because of our experience um being uh, it's a, it seems in a lot of cases it seems the critique of and we'll and I'll get into my question in a second, but in a lot of ways, it seems like their critique of what they consider identity politics is just another way for them to marginalize the experience and the ideas that we have and what we have gone through. But, um, you know, Norman Finkelstein, I've seen a lot of, you know, prior to that, I saw a few videos whenever he had went on his um campaign against uh ibram kendi and what he was referring to as uh you know the scam and financial interest of uh anti-racism uh, um and i'm not and like you i don't have i'm not i'm not necessarily against his critique of the anti-racism industry um it's the fact that, as you kind of mentioned, you're not going into Black scholars of Black radical traditions in order to validate some of these things when these things have been said 
long before you even had this idea. But if you can, for those who hasn't haven't seen that discussion, and I'll drop the I'll make sure the links for all of these uh, builds um, that we have brought up are in the description. But for those who haven't seen that discussion uh, with you and Norman Finkelstein, can you kind of go into what his premise was and 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 what your critique of his premise was? So again, Finkelstein, who I think is is brilliant and Absolutely. done a lot of great work on the history of of Israel and Palestine and and his book The Holocaust Industry is a classic and should be read repeatedly. Uh, but with this this latest book about uh, burn that bridge it, with the critique of of popular black scholars is I think I think he just was outside of his his lane mm -hmm. and he wasn't grounding his critique in again black scholarship and 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 uh, uh, black thought uh, and therefore I think misunderstood. Again, not that he was wrong per se about Kendi or whoever else, but that he misunderstood. I think how that they, they were platformed and and in uh, the work that they were there that that people like Kendi are platformed to negate. So instead of uh, building his critique on existing black scholarship and and the radical uh, uh, approaches to identity that Kendi and and others I think are again promoted to negate. Finkelstein just ends up producing what 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 reads as a uh, a conservative a mainstream conservative condemnation of uh, black scholarship uh, with again uh, uh, yeah it's it, it's it's it is itself conservative it's not mm -hmm. and it doesn't even rise to the level of scholarship that he has always encouraged be brought to bear on the issue of Israel and Palestine. You know, I've I've so, seen. Oh, yeah. my, my bad. I thought you were. No, that's right. No, no I, I was just gonna. I was all I was gonna say was that that just to finish was that. Uh, um. Instead of understanding how you know, for instance, he cites Du Bois, does Finkelstein and others, but Du Bois, but he doesn't engage the the, for instance, why would Du Bois evolve a, a self concept of himself as a black man and part of an African diaspora to develop a pan-African support, a development of a pan-African movement. Finkelstein doesn't consider any of this as part of a radical African tradition of reclamation, of reclaiming identities that have been destroyed through enslavement and colonization. And then he reduces that radical identity reclamation or re re a uh, 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 reclamation of self-definition as some pop nascent neo reactionary silly type of thing by cherry picking a few uh, uh, popular scholars who who again are themselves popular and platformed because they're negating radical histories of African world redefinition and reclamation projects so can we can we stay there for a second just sure, real quick sure. because I think you know there are so many well meaning we have so many people within our community community that are well meaning um uh as far as their approach to what they're studying and what they're reading and you see these anti-racism racism books uh you know being 
platformed by big media platforms. They're you go to Barnes and Noble, they're out. They have their own little kiosk, you know, in the middle. Um, and I, I, as you stated earlier, you know, um, the, all of this is part of a larger psychological warfare that's happening with this and with the, with with our people on all fronts but whenever we think about the the anti-racism movement and it being platformed to kind of overshadow other black liberation movements if you can can you speak to that a little bit before we go cuz i think that's an important um that's an important idea for everyone to understand because those anti-racism books are pretty easy to get get a hold of they're visible they're everywhere but like the book that you mentioned here you're not you're not going to find that at barnes and noble you're not going to find a, a, all the stuff that i have over here and you know this one this is, yeah this is, i just ordered is, that a week ago so i should yeah yeah <laughs> i already know but you're not going to find these at barnes and noble so it's kind of like how um a lot of a lot of people our age or in our age uh group you know a lot of times they'll say hey man hip-hop is trash you know uh and, and they'll be basing it off of uh a sexy red and and drake when there are you know obviously underground mcs that are pushing uh the boundaries of what it means to be an mc but you gotta look for it right and so i don't always blame everybody that I don't always blame the people for not knowing where to look, but regardless of that, I've said a whole lot to say, if you can just kind of go into why anti-racism has been platformed the way it has been platformed in the first place. Because it doesn't encourage any, first of all, it doesn't encourage any radical redistribution of material resources. Hmm. It doesn't force any engagement with, with threatening ideas and movements and histories. Uh, so it, it, it reduces everything to some sort of self-help individual effort. Let me look in the mirror and be less racist type of thing. Uh, 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 and just, it, it, it's not centered in, in the, again, the more radical and threatening efforts. I mean, uh, um, all of the efforts that suffered some sort of violent assault in the past had some sort of identity component, had some sort of uh, cultural component, had some sort of redistributionist component. Uh, and, and, and it's sort of, well, so yeah, so, so it's sort of like with, with the, with the hip history of hip hop, you have these elements of DJ and graffiti, uh, uh, b-boying and emceeing, but only the MC gets promoted over time because it's the most easy element to manipulate and manage and reduce to three and a half minute segments <laughs> that can be played on the radio. Right. So the same thing happens with with black radicalism or all radicalism, for that matter. You take uh, uh, a piece of an overall argument and make that the centerpiece. So so, yes, uh, uh redefinitions of, of of womanhood of manhood of uh of of blackness of africanness all of this is part of of radical movements but that's not the only part mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so but 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 you extract that 
promote that, reduce it and frame it as a self-help individual endeavor. And it looks like people are doing something. And then, of course, you just give those people the, the publishing contracts and you put them in Barnes and Nobles. And then right. you, 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 you by by just de facto, you, you make these these other things disappear and 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 uh, uh, become marginal. Mm-hmm. Um so it's like what Daruba bin Wahad has been saying a lot over the last few years. The, 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 there has been a very slick rebranding of BLM as Black Lives Matter when it should be Black Liberation Movement. Mm. And I think that is a good summary of what this process is. It's the extraction of one element of this struggle one around some sort of popular call for attention to what black people are suffering. And then you extract all of the other parts of the BLM black liberation movement that involve socialism, underground communication, unsanctioned communication, internationalism, et cetera, and so forth. And you, you, you turn it into something that can be more easily distilled and popularized and hashtagged and platformed. And that's the part, just just not to make it about him, but that that bothers me so much about the Finkelstein approach that that someone with as brilliant a mind in one area can't apply that same brilliance to this area and and catch the 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 flaws in his methodology and and improve his conclusions. And then, of course, he gets platformed on all these popular white platforms yep. and global platforms to talk about this issue when those platforms themselves have no sustained engagement with black thought and black history and scholarship and so Whatsoever. on and so forth. So so it becomes and I don't know why he he should himself be seeing what's happening and 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 stop it. Uh, I mean, seriously, he's he's he knows how this works. He well, should he, be aware. I think he's kind of, of part. Well, being a you know, but, participant in it. Right. Like yeah. I just before you go, because you brought something up as far as Finkelstein, whenever he was going on um, all, all of these, uh, you know, different platforms. Uh, did you notice um, when he was on these platforms, uh, these white platforms that have never engaged any type of, uh, you know, uh, black liberation ideas, books, authors, he was saying, uh, it kinda, and it kind of like made me like, what? He was like, yeah, you know, uh, Malefi Asante, uh, have you heard of him? He was like, and uh, the guy would be like, no, I heard him say it twice on two different platforms. And he was like, well, he's a quack. And I was like, what? Oh, I didn't hear that. Wow. Yeah. He was like, he's a quack. He's over there at Temple. And I was like, I was like, oh, man. So regardless to whether you agree with, you know, Dr. Malefi Asante from the days of Afrocentricity to you know now like that's crazy and just considering that uh, the uh, you know a lot of the people that have even come through that PhD program that he created at Temple um, that's you know we don't we don't view our you like I said we don't view our 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 scholars in this black tradition that way and for him to say that just for me showed the disconnect in black radical thought and tradition because for him to say that on i don't know it was just kind of wild to me like 
but it is what it is. I no, guess. I, I unfortunately never, well, yeah. fortunately never, never heard that or, or saw that, but that's sort of my point. That's disrespectful, not only to, to, to Asante, but to, to, again, the, 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 uh, black intellectual community, the, right. the, again, because you're not, because there are people in Africana studies, John Henry Clark, you mentioned him, had, had nothing good to say about Asante. There are plenty, there are people within uh, the black intellectual Africana studies world that that disagree with Asante and have many issues with him. But the point is they're doing it from a perspective, most for the most part, uh, that uh, from a perspective of, of uh, that centers the African world and from a knowledge base mm-hmm. of engagement with black thought. Absolutely. And Finkelstein is not doing that. So right. I don't know. And then, uh, and then again, it's irresponsible to make those kinds of claims in the spaces he's making them uh, without the appropriate context. So, yeah, uh, no, I, 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 I missed all of that, but I'm not happy to hear about it. Yeah, yeah, I, I'll if I'll shoot it to you if I if I can find it again. But again, I'm good. I'll take your word. Yeah. For it. I don't need to watch. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm yeah, because it because the way because even the way he came off, it it'll kind of it'll definitely rub you the wrong way. Like, nah, man, we, it's not how we like. Reg- and if yeah, like you said, there's a difference between Norman Finkelstein critique or criticism of Asante and Dr. John Henry Clark. Um, there's a definitely difference. It's a, it's a um, but yeah, but so, um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It, if if Finkelstein and that my joke before was if Finkelstein had one real black friend, he would not be doing all of this because that right. person would have said, "My man." Yeah, like yeah. if I was friends with Finkelstein, I'd be like, "My man, you <laughs> yeah. can't be doing this." Like, well, yeah. let's have a, let me take you to coffee real quick and let's have a talk about what you're doing out here because you, you're messing up, my right. man. You're messing up. Uh, so yeah, but to me. It's unfortunately, I think it's 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 just a, a, a it's 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 it is that 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 left liberal <laughs> whiteness kicks in. Mm-hmm. That's why King and Malcolm and and Asada and I mean, every, so many have had this particular critique for the white liberal, uh, because <laughs> there's this 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 condescending approach. And it's, you it's don't like, have to be out paternal here. Paternal, somewhat. So it is, somewhat, it's very you know? paternal. Like, like, <laughs> like. So now you're going to tell us who the appropriate black thinkers are. <laughs> and, and, oh, right, word. right, oh, right, word. right. And you're going to do it without. That, and 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 my point is, you he's smart enough to do it, mm. but you got to demonstrate it through 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 showing your work and showing that you've engaged these traditions. Right. Uh, I mean, some would say just his him being white, he shouldn't do it at all. But I'm just saying intellectually, I think it could be done in a, in an honest way. You could say, look, I've engaged the work for real mm-hmm. and I have a disagreement. And here's where my again is where we started about my own thing. Like, I don't have a problem with disagreement. I welcome it. It just needs to be principled and 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 grounded in the work you're claiming to be critical of in the Absolutely. field you're claiming. So it's just. It's 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 wild. It's yeah, wild. we do. We're in a crisis of methodology right now. Civilizational crisis right now. Absolutely. Well, uh, second time on the show. First time was with the EYO crew. This first time solo, man. I just wanted to say I appreciate the time and um, definitely thank you for coming on. Uh, appreciate what you're doing over there, Black Power Media as well. Um, and peace to everybody over there at Black Power Media. If you want to let the um, uh, 
listeners know where they can find you online or on YouTube for those that might not be aware of uh, the whole um, Black Power Media umbrella? Can you just let everybody know where to find you at? Yeah, I mean, Black Power Media on YouTube, uh, and I'm at I Mix What I Like on all your social media. I Mix What I Like dot org. If, if you know, for for my specific work, more of that. But uh, it's been an honor. I appreciate the invitation. I always appreciate the build, and and thank you very much. Thank you. Peace.